Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Incredible play. 35-yard touchdown. Alan Lazard, six-foot-five frame, needing every bit of it. Oh, Hartman's still going. Inside the 10, and he is in for the touchdown. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Breaking away, Garrett Wilson. Wilson, a big play downfield. Wilson still going along the sideline. He's not going to go down. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinnen Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. And it's time for part one of the weekend mailbag. And so for that, we welcome back our old friend, Mr. Glenn Naughton, who is the editor over at JetNation.com, co-host of Jet Nation Radio. Glenn, what's up, brother? Welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Always a good time and uh, looking forward to getting this one knocked out and, and field some questions. Yeah, we've got questions, Glenn, and I would imagine that quite a few of them are going to be about that gentleman in Green Bay who wears the number 12. So let's dive into the mailbag here, and we'll start with a non-Aaron Rodgers-related question. This one comes in from J.P. Waxer. He asks, do you think the Cole Hardman signing is a straight-up Elijah Moore swap, or do the Jets still need more at receiver, in parentheses, see what I did there? Yes, very clever, John, <laughs> using more and more. So let's talk about this, Glenn, because when the move happened, I saw it as a replacement, not for Elijah Moore, but for Braxton Berrios. And then after they traded Elijah Moore, I saw it as a replacement for Braxton Berrios and not Elijah Moore. What I'm saying is I don't think the Jets signed Miko Hardman to take the spot of Elijah Moore. He's just nowhere near as good of a receiver. He does get yak and he's very fast, but A lot of his value comes on special teams where he has the explosive potential as a return man. As we saw with Braxton Berrios, yes, two years ago he was an all-pro, but he's really more of a steady Eddie as a return man. I know he had that one touchdown return, but for the most part, his value was always he wasn't going to cough the ball up and he would get you 10, 15 yards maybe on a punt return. His past year, he was brutal. It was nothing but fair catches. With Hardman, you have the potential for an explosive play on a return, 
And if you do jet sweeps and things like that and maybe get the ball in his hands, you have the potential for a big play too. But he's just nowhere near as talented as Elijah Moore as a wide receiver. He doesn't have the hands. He can't run the routes that Elijah Moore runs. Other than speed, he doesn't really bring anything close to that to the table. So like I said, when it happened, I think he's a Braxton Berrios replacement. As far as how they replace Elijah Moore, that could be Odell Beckham Jr., that could be somebody in the draft. We shall see. But I do not think they envision Miko Hardman taking the place of Elijah Moore. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, they, they are much different players. Elijah Moore, much more much more elusive, you know, able to move east-west and uh, make people miss. Whereas Miko Hardman is, is more of a straight-line guy, even when you see him on the jet sweeps and things like that. The, the all, all of his big plays come with him. You know, once he gets that corner, he just he's on a beeline to, you know, or A to B. And uh, you're not, you know, you don't see a lot of elusiveness. You don't see him making guys miss. He just, uh, you know, yes, he will outrun guys, but just a much different player than what Elijah Moore brings to the table. Uh, it does make sense to have him as a guy on your offense because, you know, if you can get him in space and hit him in stride, he will make a play. Um, so good player, but not on Elijah Moore's level. And I think, you know, I think this does make OBJ that much more likely. Next question comes in from AJ Tranzano. He asks, with potentially Rodgers, Zeke, and Odell Beckham Jr. coming in, would the Jets become the most hated team in the league? Reminds me of when Vince Young called the Eagles the dream team. I'm sure there would be a lot of people that would dislike the Jets because those guys have a lot of detractors. All three of them do. I don't know that the Jets are going to wind up with all three of them anyway, but we're talking about a theoretical scenario here. I don't know that they would bring on the type of hate that that Eagles team brought on because they were such loudmouths about how they were going to win the Super Bowl and how they had the dream team, and then they went 8-8. Eight and eight. But ultimately, if I could quote one of the great philosophers of our time, just win, baby. No one cares if other teams' fan bases hate the team you root for as long as there are victories that come along with that hatred. So we'll see what happens. Again, I wouldn't guarantee they're going to get Beckham and Zeke and Aaron Rodgers. I would say that Rodgers is fairly likely. Odell Beckham, a little less likely, but still fairly likely. And Ezekiel Elliott, not all that likely. But I wouldn't worry too much about what other teams' fan bases think of the Jets, regardless of who they add. All that's going to matter is, do they pile up the victories? I think Zeke is unlikely. Um, you know, we saw last night that the the tweets that he had narrowed his teams down to the Jets and with the Eagles and somebody else. And but then, you know, we saw a couple of tweets after that saying this is his wish list. Like these teams haven't talked to him. They haven't offered him. So that's kind of Zeke throwing it out there. I don't I don't see him coming. Um, OBJ, I, I, I think, you know, with him being on Aaron's wish list and, um, you know, the interest seems to be legitimate and it, it kind of gets starting to get the feeling that it's inevitable. Um, and yeah, teams, f fans will, fans will, you know, as you said, these guys have a lot of detractors and a lot of fans will kind of frown on it. Um, and kind of, as you said, just win, baby. I think if the Jets don't win, like it'll kind of get laughed at and people won't really care. But if the Jets do that and they do win, that's where the hate comes from because, mm -hmm. it, you know, it's jealousy. Like if, if you're good like that, that's why everyone always hates these great, these great teams. Um, because you want to be that team, you want the win. So if yeah, if the Jets sign, you know, if they trade for Rodgers and sign Zeke and get Beckham and and you know go to the Super Bowl, God forbid that ever happens in our lifetime. Um, yeah, it's gonna be you're gonna hear a lot of oh, you know, they 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 bought a championship, they had to bring these guys in because they can't draft and blah 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 blah. So I think it's a, a lot of it's gonna depend on the results. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question, and I'm going to combine two of them here. Lucas Rowe and Joshua both had questions that were Rodgers-related, and they sort of interlock. Lucas Rowe asks, is there any reason for the Jets to trade for Rodgers before the draft? They could take a developmental quarterback like Hendon Hooker with one of their second-round picks, stack up this year, and use next year's picks in a trade for Rodgers. No other teams are bidding on him right now, so it's not like they have to worry about losing him to some other team. And then Joshua asks... If you take emotions out of it and there really are no other bidders for Aaron Rodgers, how is the trade not for a conditional seventh rounder? The Packers have the logical choice between a draft pick or nothing as Rodgers provides no value, if not negative value, for their team. In a vacuum, you are sort of right about that, Joshua, because if there are no other bidders and we know that the Packers cannot keep Aaron Rodgers... There's not much trade value here at all, and this is something that we discussed in detail with Kevin Cole on yesterday's show. He wrote a fantastic piece on his Substack, and if you haven't read it yet, I highly recommend it. He broke everything down in detail, and essentially what he said, and it's totally true, is that the Packers have no other moves. They either trade Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, or they're stuck paying him not only $60 million this year, but potentially $50 million next year, and then two straight years of horrendous dead cap numbers, all while they're not going to use him. They don't want him there, and they're going to move to Jordan Love. They can try and bluff and say, oh yeah, well, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't get traded, we're going to play him. Everyone knows that's not going to happen. They've already started to turn the keys over to Jordan Love. So the Packers are in a very difficult situation. The only, and I'm going to use the word here, I'm sorry, I have to do it because it's the only word that applies. I know we're about ready to, exactly, Glenn, you know, we're going to ban this word from our vocabulary soon, leverage. The only leverage the Packers really have is that if they want to, they can hold out and not do a deal for a while. They can hold on to Rodgers for a couple of months, although it's going to get very uncomfortable once training camp starts if they still have Rodgers because he could show up to the facility and make everything very awkward for everybody involved. I've heard people say, well, he'll just retire. I don't think so. You think he's going to do the Packers that favor, just retire and let them off the hook after all this? I see no way that happens. But that being said, I do think that to get this deal done in good faith, trading something like a third or fourth round pick and maybe a conditional next year is something you can live with. For the Jets, it would mean getting Rodgers sooner, getting everybody in the building. Then you can sort of start your offseason program knowing who's here. For the Packers, it's a way to save face. They get something reasonable for Aaron Rodgers. And also, when you're a team that does something like step on somebody else's throat like that, it earns you a bad reputation around the league. So I think it's fine to work out some sort of middle ground, but all this talk of giving up first-round picks and multiple second-round picks or whatever... That to me is crazy. And like you said, Lucas, the Jets don't have to be in a rush here because Rodgers already knows all the plays. He's already got his favorite receiver in the building for the Jets. So if the Jets waited until the summer and acquired him, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Now, at a certain point, 
they're going to have to set a deadline and say, look, this is either happening or it isn't because we need to pivot. And there's been a bunch of rumors. We've talked about Lamar Jackson. Look, right now there's rumors that the Vikings might make a run at Lamar Jackson. If that happens, all of a sudden Kirk Cousins is available. Is Ryan Tannehill available? Who knows? Could the Jets get Matthew Stafford? They very well could. Is it possible that the Jets could get somebody like Jared Goff because Goff has been franchise tagged and doesn't have a long-term agreement? Sure, that's possible too. You could look at a whole bunch of different possibilities that the Jets could potentially pivot to. The Packers have nowhere else to go with this. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. But to answer your questions, the Jets don't have to get Aaron Rodgers right now. They could certainly wait. Of course, the Packers would be more motivated, you would think, to get a deal done earlier to get a pick in this year's draft. And then as far as the other part of this, yes, in theory, the Jets could just offer a conditional seventh rounder, but you don't want it to be uncomfortable whether Packers are just sitting there holding out for months and months and months. It's probably not worth it if you're talking about just giving up a mid-round pick and a conditional or something like that. Yeah, I think the, you know, a lot of what you said rings true. The one thing that that scares me, um, you know, because I'm always looking at how could this possibly go wrong um, if another team sustains an injury between now and the Packers and the Jets pulling off a deal. Um, Once you get another team in the mix, then that changes everything because you're not the the lone bidder. But as it stands right now, all the Packers have um, is they know inside that building that Aaron Rodgers is is the the apple of the eye of of or the apple of Woody Johnson's eye, mm-hmm. and they can sit back and say let's let's hope that Woody forces Joe Douglas's hand and makes him give up more than he's offering. Now, as far as what the Jets are going to give, you know, I've kind of said all along. I think it's a three. I think it's you know three this year and a conditional next year. But then you know, you and I talked about this the other day, Scott, and I was listening to some other folks, and you know, I remember once once Rodgers came out and said, "I want to be a Jet." my mind kind of went to like, well, now you're looking at a four. Like mm-hmm. now the Packers have publicly said they don't want him. He has publicly said he doesn't want to be there. Like he's gone. They have to trade him. I, if I'm Joe Douglas, I, I start the bidding or negotiation with a four. Um, I think I've kind of myself gotten caught up a little bit with all the, all the you know, the, the talking heads and the experts saying, you know, the Jets should give a two or, you know, a one is completely off the table in mm-hmm. my mind. A two should be off the table. Mm-hmm. Um but I think when you know when when they traded that three, I I had the same reaction a lot of people had. I was like, well, they just picked up that two to send to to Green Bay for Rodgers. But after thinking about it for a couple of days, I was like, maybe not. Like, why? <laughs> they don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, the Packers still don't have anything other than their biggest ally right now is Woody Johnson. They have to hope Woody Johnson right. gets tired of waiting and says, do what you got to do and get him now. As long as Woody Johnson stays quiet, I don't see Joe Douglas making a poor football move. And giving up premium picks for a potential one-year rental, in my mind, is a poor football move. My analogy that I've been using, and I forget who first came up with it. It was somebody on Twitter, but I thought it was a great analogy. Is that basically the Packers have fourth and five from their own 40, and they're going for it. But everybody in the building knows that they are not actually going to go for it. They're just trying to draw the Jets off sides. And so the Jets just have to be smart enough not to jump the count, make the Packers punt, and take whatever it is that they're offering as opposed to flinching and giving up something that they don't need to give up. Unfortunately, Glenn, as we've seen in the Jets' history, 
there have been many times when they have flinched in situations like this, even on the field. Remember in that Bills game when C.J. Mosley jumped the count, the Bills ended up getting a first down, scoring a touchdown, and it really turned the tide of the game. This was back during last season when the Jets were on the road in Buffalo. So you have to hope that Joe Douglas holds the line and that Woody Johnson allows him to do what he needs to do. Woody Johnson needs to step back and give Joe Douglas the room to hold his ground and to negotiate properly without meddling and without demanding that Joe Douglas do something. If Woody Johnson stays away, keeps his distance, and trusts Joe Douglas, I think there's a very good chance that Jets will get a positive outcome out of this. Next question comes in from Joey. He says, would you rather the Jets sign Odell Beckham Jr. or trade one of the second-round picks for DeAndre Hopkins? The answer is, of course, you'd rather sign Odell Beckham Jr. because why would you want to give up a second-round pick? However, Albert Breer, who I think is one of the best football reporters in the country, if not the best football reporter in the country, says that it looks like after trying to get a second-round pick and a player for DeAndre Hopkins, reality has set in on the Cardinals. Hopkins is going to turn 31. He's got what would be considered a somewhat reasonable contract based on the way the wide receiver deals have escalated the last few years, but it's still two years, $35 million, and there's rumblings that he's going to want a new deal with whoever trades for him. So you put all that together, and it looks like, according to Breer, The Cardinals have settled on probably getting something closer to what the Cowboys got for Brandon Cooks, which is a fifth and a sixth. Now, if the Jets could find a way to make the money work and all it would take is a fifth or a sixth, I would way rather trade a fifth or a sixth for DeAndre Hopkins than sign Odell Beckham because... DeAndre Hopkins has shown us that when he's on the field, he's still dominating. You go ahead and look at the games that he put up last year, even with the second and third string quarterbacks when he was on the field after he came back from the suspension, and he was crushing the opposition still. He did miss two games at the end of the year, so he's getting older. You have to wonder about that, but for the cost of a fifth and sixth round pick, who cares? It's well worth it to have him in there with Garrett Wilson, Nicole Hardman, and Alan Lazard. I don't think it's a realistic possibility simply because I don't see how the Jets would make the money work. But then again, Glenn, as we know, they made a run at Fletcher Cox and they made a run at Orlando Brown, which stunned me. So if they could make a run at those guys, maybe they could make a run at DeAndre Hopkins. And if the cost is a fifth and sixth round pick and you can find a way to make it work, I'm all for it. The problem for me with Odell Beckham Jr., is there just hasn't been production there from him for the last four years. And not only that, he's had two ACL tears in the last couple of years. He's going to turn 31. How much does he really have left? I don't know. With Hopkins, at least we've seen on the field that when he's there, he's still kicking butt. Yeah, I think, um, you know, something I heard you say it the other day, somebody on our message boards on JetNation.com said the same exact thing. Um, may have been almost verbatim what you said is what is this infatuation with OBJ from the fan base? All these people cheering on the signing of a 30-year-old who's got multiple injuries and hasn't been productive in quite some time and isn't the most stable guy either. I don't know if you saw the airplane video with him a couple weeks ago. <laughs> so, it, I mean, I, that's why I 100% think that if Aaron Rodgers hadn't put him on his list, the Jets would not be pursuing OBJ. Um, I think it's it's to make make him happy, but... As I agree with you 100%. I'm, I'm not giving up draft picks if I can avoid giving up draft picks. Um, you know, again, if you're talking day three picks, that's a different story. But I'm not giving up twos and threes for one guy if I can have another guy for probably less cash and and keep all my draft picks. Next question comes in from Sky High Five. He asks, do the Jets have any interest in Calais Campbell? If not, what is happening on the defensive line? 
I haven't heard anything about the Jets having interest in Calais Campbell, although I would love to see that happen. Calais Campbell, by the way, is an old poker buddy of my brother's. They haven't talked in a long time, but I think I've told the story before. Long story short, my brother ended up playing in a poker tournament years ago with Calais Campbell when he was on Arizona, and my brother texted me from the poker table asking me if I knew who Calais Campbell was. This was before he really blew up and became a great player. He was a good player at the time. And I said, yeah, Clay Campbell, defensive lineman on the Cardinals. Pretty good player, but he was better at Miami. He was awesome at Miami. In the pros, he's been okay. And my brother texted me back a few minutes later, and he said, yeah, he's sitting right next to me. I read him your text. He laughed and said that your brother's right. I was better at Miami. So guy's got a good <laughs> sense of humor. Great. And I would love to see him here, honestly. But if not, Al Woods just got released by the Seattle Seahawks. I know he's buddies with DJ Reed. He'd be a perfect fit, too. I'd love to see them get somebody like him. But they do need help at defensive line, whether it's a veteran or somebody they pick up in the mid-rounds of the draft. I think they're going to do something. Yeah, they do. I think uh, another option, you know, he's a little bit older, but I mean, he's not he's not he's not all that old. But uh, Shelby Harris, who was a uh, uh, had a very brief stint with the Jets years ago, had a solid career with the Broncos and Seahawks. I think you could get him for a little bit less money, but, that, you know, they have to make some moves on the interior. Um, really, you know, y- you lost Rankins, you lost Shepard. You got to you got to beef up. I know they retained Solomon Thomas, but I think you need to get some uh, a little infusion of youth and you know, maybe one of those now that they have those two twos, if they retain them, maybe you go out and you get a, you know, a, a DT with one of those picks. Next question comes in from Michael Christopher. He asks, why are people saying the Jets should draft John Michael Schmitz in the first round? In no way is he a better prospect than Creed Humphrey or Tyler Linderbaum. Centers can be had in the second and third round. Do you agree getting a premium position player in the first is the way to go since you can't find them in free agency? Yeah, I do agree, and there's no way I would take John Michael Schmitz at 13 if I were the Jets. However... What I would consider doing is if I felt like John Michael Schmitz was going to go at the back of the first round, I might consider trading up from 42 or 43 to make that happen simply because, A, if you really like him, you want to make sure you get him. But also, remember, there's value in having that 50-year option. If you get a guy like John Michael Schmitz that you think can really help stabilize the interior part of your offensive line for a decade, if you can get him cheap for five years instead of four it's probably worth trading away a mid-round pick to move up a little bit. That's if you think that you have to do it. So I'd be okay moving up to the back end of the first round, but anybody who's telling you that the Jets should pick him at number 13, I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, 13 is absolutely nuts. I would, I would, as you said, I'd take him on a trade-up or if the Jets, say the Jets move back. You know, mm-hmm. we, we did our first mock last night on Jet Nation and it's I you know it it when you do a mock it really jumps out at how few picks they have I think we've gotten kind of spoiled the last few years with all the all the picks the Jets have had to play with but um I think if Joe Douglas decides to move back to the, you know and ends up in in the sort of later back half of the first round I could live with it there a trade up might you know would be another option um and I'm a big uh, Tipman guy um mm-hmm. I actually tweeted out funny enough about ten minutes before we started um I was I recalled last night because we I think we took Tipman in our mock. And I said, he's a guy who he was my favorite center for much of the year. And uh, I think and I I like Schmitz, too. Uh, Schmitz, to me, was like top two or three. Tipman was my number one guy. And um, over time, I don't know if it was just from hearing his name so much that he became the guy that in my mind jumped Tipman. But I went back and watched some of the highlights. I pulled of Tipman and I'm like, this guy, every time he pulls, he hits somebody and he just lays guys out. Um, And I saw Daniel Jeremiah has him as uh, as his top center above 
um, John Michael Schmidt. So, you know, the, at least Jeremiah, you know, there are some people out there who like Tipman that much. And it now maybe he goes earlier, which I think Jeremiah had him going before Schmidt's in his, his mock. Um, maybe Schmidt's is there in the second round, which would be ideal. There are some pretty good centers in this draft that could go second, third, or even fourth round. Steve Avila is a really good center who we've got an all-22 breakdown of up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash playlikeajet. There's Luke Wepler from Ohio State, who, by the way, grew up a Jets fan, although I don't know that that's necessarily a plus, but it's still something interesting. So the Jets could easily get a center in this draft. They should, however, sign somebody at the center position too, because you don't want to be desperate to grab a center heading into the draft. Next question comes in from Cuddy Shark. He asks, if Joe Douglas thinks that the Jets can cover center in round two, what are your thoughts on trading down a few slots in round one and targeting Bijan Robinson? I love Brees Hall. In fact, he's a big reason why I like this idea. True game breakers don't grow on trees, and none of the top wide receivers in the draft check that box. Could he be Debo 2.0? I get where you're going with this, but it's not something I would do. I think that Brees Hall is going to be the guy that hopefully if he comes back from injury and he's 100% is really going to have that running game clicking for many years to come. And I love Bijan Robinson. I'm a Texas fan. Everybody knows that. I'm a little bit biased on this. But using a pick that high to take a second top flight running back, especially if you think you're going to get Aaron Rodgers, seems a little crazy. But I'll also say this. I honestly think there's a very good chance Bijan Robinson doesn't even make it to 13. They're talking about him potentially going to the Eagles at 10. So I don't know about trading down and taking him, but I think the Jets just have too many other needs that are important. Remember, you can get a decent running back for fairly cheap on the open market, but let's say a guy like Jackson Smith and the Jigba, you get a receiver like that and he becomes a star. Look at how much these receivers are getting paid now. You have to take that value into account. So I love Bijan Robinson, but no, that's not something I do since the Jets already have Brees Hall. Yeah, every year I find myself uh, picking out a few players and, you know, Bijan's the guy this year where I look at it and go, this guy to the Jets, you know, for where they're projected to go makes absolutely no sense and I wouldn't do it and they won't do it. If for some reason they did it, I would have a hard time being angry that he's on my team. Um, mm -hmm. I would be confused, but happy, uh, I guess would be the best way to put it. Like, I just don't see it happening. As you said, you've got Brees Hall. You've only got so many picks this year. You have enough holes. You can't double up at running back. As you said, you can get a running back either later in the draft or somebody will shake loose before the season kicks off. And that, you know, Bam Knight's an option. We know he fizzled after a hot start last year, but if we're being honest, the O-line was kind of a mess. You know, if you assume Becton and AVT are healthy and you get a Skaronsky, like Bam Knight should be fine behind that line. So, yeah, he goes in my no way they would do it. I'd be super confused, but I'd be, you know, I couldn't be angry that he's on my team. Great way to put it, Glenn. He'd be a great player to have, but I think he's much more of a luxury for the Jets at this point, and they have Absolutely. a lot of things they need to do here. But I wouldn't be mad if they did it because he is an outstanding player, and as I said, I'm biased as a Texas fan. I would never be upset to see somebody like Bijan Robinson in a Jets uniform. Glenn Naughton, our friend who is the editor over at JetNation.com and also the co-host of Jet Nation Radio, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. We're going to answer more of your questions tomorrow. In the meantime, make sure that you check Check out everything that Glenn is doing over at JetNation.com and JetNation Radio. Check out everything we've got going on at PlayLikeAJet.com and the PlayLikeAJet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has some awesome All-22 videos. I talked about the Steve Avila review. He's got one of Broderick Jones. And, of course, Alan Lazard, the newest New York Jets receiver. 
Those are all up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash play like a jet. So watch our videos, subscribe if you haven't already. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's teepublic.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, bless you, thank you shirt, the play like a jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there, tpublic.com. That's teepublic.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you can go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcasts and content you know where to go that's play like jet digital and play like a jet.com